This is Kick-Ass Politics. I'm Ben Mathis. Hey, folks. We're doing a new crowdfunding campaign at patreon.com backslash kickasspolitics. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. With Patreon, you can pledge a certain amount each month, and in return for helping to sustain the show, you're going to get some great new benefits like back episodes, exclusive content, show merchandise, shout-outs on the podcast, video hangouts, invitations to live events, and more. Again, go to patreon.com backslash kickasspolitics. Thanks for your support, and thanks for continuing to listen. And now, enjoy the podcast. Hi. I'm Ben Mathis, and welcome to Kick-Ass Politics. If you've ever taken a red-eye between the East Coast and the West Coast and looked down below at the vast expanse of pitch blackness, maybe occasionally dotted with a lonely porch light or a pair of truck headlights, then, friend, you're looking at flyover country. Literally. And for many of you listening, you may very well be one of the millions of decent, hard-working Americans who call flyover country home and who feel put down, left out, and ignored by Washington, the media, intellectuals, and the rest of the country that clings to their shorelines and their big cities. Well, folks in flyover country, the good news is you have no greater advocate than my guest today. She's Dana Lash. She hosts her award-winning nationally syndicated daily radio show, The Dana Show, The Conservative Alternative, from Dallas, Texas, where she also hosts Dana on the Blaze Television Network. Dana co-founded the Tea Party movement in her hometown of St. Louis and speaks regularly on the subjects of new media, gun control, anti-feminism, and the grassroots. Lash is a former newspaper columnist and was one of the original Breitbart editors selected by Andrew Breitbart himself to head his news site, BigJournalism.com. Dana has also co-hosted The View and appears regularly on Fox News, CNN, and HBO, among others. Her first book, Hands Off My Gun, Defeating the Plot to Disarm America, was a national bestseller and won raves from fans such as Michelle Malkin, Mark Levin, and Sean Hannity. And now she has a new book called Flyover Nation, You Can't Run a Country You've Never Been To. On today's show, Dana vents about her problem with the arrogance and tone deafness of the coastal elites and what it is that they don't seem to understand about middle America. She talks about what matters to the good people of Flyover Nation, including hot-button issues like gun control, manufacturing jobs, and religious liberty. Dana talks about what Flyover Nation is so angry about and the remarkable irony that the blue-collar folks of middle America have chosen a rich New Yorker in a gilded penthouse to represent the interests of the common man. Plus, Dana sings the praises of Walmart and much, much more. Coming up with Dana Lash in just a moment. It's time for Kick-Ass Politics, and now here's your host, Ben Mathis. Today I'm joined by Dana Lash. 
She has a new book called Flyover Nation, You Can't Run a Country You've Never Been To. Dana, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Well, we just had Glenn Beck in here in the mm -hmm. room, and your show, Dana, airs on The Blaze. Uh, what kind of boss is Glenn? He's a nice guy. He's, I mean, he's a really nice guy. It's I not have, um, I have the TV show at the Blaze, and then I do radio, which is right, uh, unaffiliated. And then I have the book, and then I do NRA stuff, and and that. But I base, I work out of the Willy Wonka factory. That's known as. <laughs> the Mercury Studio Arts, and I'm fully expecting, like at one point, I'm gonna walk in there, and there's gonna be Oompa Loompas, and <laughs> the Chocolate River, and there's going to be Augustus Galoop eating some candy furniture or something. No, I mean, it's 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 like Restoration Hardware meets Willy Wonka. That's yeah. what it's like in there. You might walk in there, and you know, Glenn will have that Donald Trump orange Oompa Loompa skin or something. I like actually, one day, that happened one day. I went in, and he was doing, a, it was like a, a bit that he was doing. And I didn't know because I just walked in and I went to go get some ice and there he was with like this orange face. And I had no <laughs> idea what was going on. I thought just another day at the office. So, <laughs> Well, speaking of weird days at the office and weird places, your book is all about the flyover country mm -hmm. and you're here spending the weekend in Los Angeles. Does so that make ironic. you cringe being in no, Holly weird? No, not right now because the weather here is a, is a little bit nicer than it is in Dallas. In Dallas, it's, the sun's it's 97 degrees from the sky. Are you to, like, kidding me? Kill. No, no, no. <laughs> you all have a breeze. They oh. laugh. You guys laugh off your breeze. We don't have that. We just sit and suffocate in our own sweat in Dallas. That's all that happens. But yeah. and then you also have mountains here, so I can take it. I can oh, take okay. it for a little. See, bit. I'm originally from Houston, which is like oh, Dallas with humidity. Yeah, so it's, it's really the humidity in Houston. Yes, you need gills to live there. But yeah, yeah. It is, it's weird being in LA when the book is Flyover Nation. But at the same time, I love running into like my born and raised west coast friends and they're like i don't understand tell me about that like what <laughs> what do you what mean is... like i don't like and i'll like throw out an example walmart it, this is just we I, in the book i look at a number of different issues and a number of different things culture faith you name it but i also like you know for example walmart so in flyover yeah. nation like in walmart you can go and you can go get your photos done you can do some banking. Yeah. You can get your eyes checked. You yeah. can go get a pound of hamburger. You can go buy a <laughs> shotgun. You can go get your tires rotated. Yeah. And you also can go get a six-foot-tall lawn Santa. And then some of them, you can go get some chicken nuggets and some fries. Now, to me, that's like I my dream is to like walk through one of these, walk through like a super Walmart with a big fountain soda. That's like my – that calms me in life. <laughs> and – People that are in East Coast or West Coast, at least the ones that I know, even friends of ours and family, and particularly people in D.C. where it gets more political, uh, they say, no, we just, we don't like Walmart. It's just so junky, and it's, no, I would, like, they're, they, Have like, they target. Have they been to one, though? No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And then they get yeah. into, well, they treat their people horribly. I heard they spit on them and everything as they work. It's like things like that. There's just this huge difference in how they yeah. you know, how they view like something as simple yeah. as Walmart. Well, it's a little hard here because in L.A., they don't even allow Walmart in L.A. County. <laughs> I mean, they, they protect the grocery store unions. And right. so if you want to go to Walmart, you have to drive like 40 miles out of town. And of course, it's it's, it's like all because of, of government protest. interference. You know, it's protecting like unions and all that. To come back with your Walmart bags, have you done yeah. that? Have you have you have you like gone to Walmart just like as a protest no. shop? I, you know, I would. You know, but it, it's too far. 
Oh. I'm willing to pay the premium to go to Target instead right. of Walmart. We do have Target for whatever reason. Target's okay. They're okay with. We have Targets everywhere here. Uh, but they Walmart's like the Targets. Way they like the Targets the after the bathroom Tar- thing too. But they they like the Targets <laughs> yeah, for that one right. aisle because yeah. Walmart does not have this aisle. Target has one aisle in its store that makes you feel horrible about your house and you think that you need it. Like you think you need this freestanding coral crap that they have on the <laughs> shelves. I don't even have like a sea motif in my home, but I feel like I'm going to talk myself into some coral today. That that I it know. has that aisle. Next Next thing you know, you're buying a giant fish tank and clownfish. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> or like a shag rug. Like, yeah. no, why would I buy a shag rug? But no, they have that there, and I feel like I need it because it's in that aisle. Yeah, it's a great place for uh, impulse buys. Yes. Um, now, if, if there's anyone who doesn't know here on the coasts, what is technically flyover country? Flyover? Geographically, what do we consider flyover This is the best way I describe it. Flyover is that vast expanse between the East Coast and West Coast. If you're pinging back and forth between D.C. and L.A. or New York and L.A. or, you know, whatever, that you look down from your airplane window and 30,000 feet below it looks like a quilt. Okay. That's that's flyover country. Okay. It's kind of, and then I was told or last night. if it's night, a night flight, wherever you see fewer lights. Wherever, wherever you don't there's see total pitch blackness, yeah. you're either, you've flown into a black hole or you're over flyover. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know. Who are the people of Flyover Nation? What what do they value? What what matters to them? What is it that we don't get on the coast? The president had identified them, and this is what ultimately, initially, kind of what gave me the the idea for this, and it germinated over a couple of years. The bitter clingers, you know, the people mm-hmm. who cling to their religion and their and their guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we just go out in the backyard and we read the Bible while shooting, you know, and every time we say amen, we fire it off. No, we don't really. Maybe some do, but we don't. Uh, but they value they value family. They value faith. They value uh, service. Like, for instance, there is a disproportionate amount of men and women who from Flyover Nation who voluntarily enlist to serve in our country's military. We are the military. Flyover Nation provides the military. Flyover Nation provides the food. Yeah. Uh, California provides the wine. Flyover Nation <laughs> provides, well, in Missouri, with respect, Flyover Nation provides the food. Uh, we, we have those, the Main Street, that iconic Main Street USA, where you have that, the the aesthetic of the mom and pop shops and, you know, kind of taking it easy and enjoying your community and actually having an impact at a local level and viewing the church not as some big approach religious monolith but actually looking at it as this is where your community comes together to fellowship and to worship and also have an impact through that in the community uh, the, I mean that's the that's the stuff that that flyover nation values and it gets really stereotyped and I think it's really underrepresented and kind of underestimated and undermined but yet Washington DC they expect it to show up and vote and you vote the right way every single time and if you don't then we're gonna call you like bitter clingers or hobbits or whatever yeah I mean do you feel feel that people on the coast and people in Washington treat the people of middle America as rubes and mm-hmm. they kind of dismiss them as uneducated or just conspiracy theorists. And they think that we all share one tooth to eat our corn on the cob <laughs> and that, you know, like our daddies are our cousins or something like that. But it's not the case. There's this quote from Harry Reid. And I remember reading this and I, I cite it in the book because I saved I saved the article. I actually printed it out so I could cite it because mysteriously things disappear from the Webernuts. But he had remarked and it was just like this, 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 you know, passing quote. He was talking to a colleague in the Senate and, you know, they give tours to the Capitol buildings. 
And during the summer, he made this remark, like, I can always tell when the tourists are coming because it just smells. You know, he remarked about how they just smelled sweat. And I mean, who are the people that go to Washington, D.C. and go look at the buildings? Like, my, it, that's like, I, I had an aunt uh, an uncle who took their kids, and that was like their big deal. That was their big family vacation, was yeah. to go through the Capitol building for which they pay, go and look at, at the chambers of Congress, go and look at the Supreme Court building. And that's like, this is where history is made. And for them, that was this huge experience. And Harry Reid was like, they, you know, these people just smell and they're coming in here smelling up my marble halls and I thought you were so, that you're so out of touch and that's exactly yeah. that's exactly why people in flyover sort of feel the way that they do about DC mm -hmm. and some of the coast too particularly yeah. DC well what we've seen with the Trump phenomenon and you know even going broader than flyover country the mm. Brexit just a few days ago yes is, right do you feel that that's a direct byproduct of this disaffected yes. middle America or just even like I said broader talking Brexit just people who feel left out you you nailed it that's the that's it entirely um, we would not have had Trump had it not been for the way that flyover nation has been treated and not just I mean like in the past eight years I mean mm -hmm. like the past like 30 even 40 years it's 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 been and it's a kind of a bipartisan thing too it's not just you know Democrats that right. do this. Uh, like for instance, you had Dick Luger in Indiana, who how, mm -hmm. I think he would have probably tried to find ways to make sure that he artificial to artificially stay alive somehow, just to keep representing <laughs> Indiana. Although he hadn't yeah. lived there for like 20 years, yeah. he 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 never went back to Indiana. He was a DC resident at this point. But I, I do think that. I think Trump is, and I've said this before, I think he is a giant redheaded middle finger to D.C. by people in Flyover Nation yeah. who got so tired that of they, they were betrayed by Democrats. And then when they saw Republicans betraying them, that was it. So they wanted to take the loudest, orangiest hammer they could find <laughs> and smash the system to bits. And that's what they're doing. And the Brexit, that's the same way. When you look at the vote breakdown of Brexit, it wasn't the rich people and it wasn't right. the posh wasn't people who were voting for this. Mm -hmm. It was the middle and working classes who voted for this. And there were a lot of young people who thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These, I don't, I don't want to be in the European Union. I, I don't want to do this. I, I know I want to be able to have like an immediate impact and not have people who don't represent me at all, who aren't even from my country, mm -hmm. uh, to be making decisions that actually have an impact on you know the sterling, or have an impact on you know my freedoms here. And so that I mean they had their they have their own flyover nation, and that's I mean we're starting to see this. People are wanting to burn the system down, mm -hmm. and the people who are in the flames don't understand why. And that's yeah. what this book gets into. I, I feel like it was implied that you were somewhat saying Trump, unfortunately, in parentheses, well, no, it's, is a byproduct it's, it's of that. How do you, where do you stand on Trump? Well, I think, I think it's ironic because think about this. He's from New York. Yeah. He's a New Yorker. He's the worst representative he's of the one dollar middle that America. That's how, that's how mad these people are. Yeah. And, you know, where I look at Trump, I mean, I everybody kind of knows where I've been at the primary, uh, throughout the primary race. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I was, I've been such a shy little wallflower on it, so nobody <laughs> knows possibly what opinions I had. Um, but at the same time, going forward, I mean, you know, ultimately when it gets to this point, and I realize it has to be, for the lack of a better way to put it, certified at the RNC and all of that stuff. I mean, right. you come up, no matter no matter how it washes out, you basically have two choices. And we can pretend that we have more than two choices, and we can pretend that we don't have a choice, but mm -hmm. we have two choices. And we know how one of those choices is going to come out. We we know yeah. that for a fact. But, you know, in that it's not, it's not like an unfortunately, it's I cannot believe the irony 
Yeah. Because that, if <laughs> you really want to, with gold yeah, he's got he's got like cherub <laughs> statues on. in his house, yeah. and uh, made of marble, like marble angel baby butts in yeah, his house. His wife is a supermodel, <laughs> and he's. <laughs> I mean, he's he puts his name, he monograms everything. But yeah. that people are so mad. They're like, nope, he's the meanest. We want him. Yeah. And Washington, D.C. looked at Flyover and thought, oh, my gosh, you people aren't serious. <laughs> no, no, we want him because he's going to go kick your ass. That's what we want. They don't they are they don't feel that there is a second chance because mm. every second chance. I mean, we got Obamacare even after a second chance. We've got, you know, we got compromises on budget, compromises on spending bills. Mm -hmm. I mean, for crying out loud, the fact that a vote on firearms even went to cloture in the Senate, to me, that itself was a compromise. So they're mad. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back to talk more with Dana Lash. If you're interested in my conversation with Dana Lash, then you'll enjoy her new book, Flyover Nation, you can't run a country you've never been to. And right now, you can download the audio version of her book for free with a special promotion just for our listeners from audible.com. Just go to audibletrial.com backslash kickasspolitics for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook download, which can be Flyover Nation by my guest today, Dana Lash, or any of Audible's 180,000 titles. That's audibletrial.com backslash kickasspolitics. Or click on the sponsor link on our webpage to download the free audiobook of your choice. And now, back to the show. We're, I guess, two weeks after the Orlando shooting. Mm. The Dems staged their little hippie sit-in on the floor Was of the house. Was it a sit-in, though? They didn't have bongos. <laughs> Is it, does yeah, that count? sit in with a sit in with catering doesn't yeah. seem like a sit in to no, me. No, it doesn't. <laughs> in you had your previous book was called uh, Hands Off My Guns. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of fear out there that somehow the government is suddenly going to show up on our doorsteps and make us hand over our guns. Mm. And I feel that that leads perhaps to a lot of conspiratorial thinking and paranoia that can become maybe even dangerous. Mm. Is there in your mind? a desire on on behalf of the government to take away the guns. Yes. Okay. Hawaii just passed registration. They literally just signed it into law. Hawaii's governor. Okay. And the consequence but, of not doing that is you may have to forfeit your firearms. If you don't register. If you do not okay. register as a gun owner. You have okay. to register as a gun owner and let them know what you got. That just passed in Hawaii. Okay. And there have been there have been some it's been remarked on, but they, they're not going to show you their cards before they do it. But there's been a lot of discussion that, mm, well, let's, because they're never going to do that federally. I mean, there's a law against it federally. But okay. if we can encourage state legislatures mm-hmm. across the United States, there's not going to be a judge on the West Coast that's going to uh, strike down Hawaii's law. So that law is going to stand, and that's going to serve as a precedent. And I, I know to some people, they, you know, and I can get how they would think that it might sound like hyperbole, but... I mean, in that case, that very much is, particularly when the punishment for not doing so is you could forfeit what you have or you, or you yeah. could forfeit your CHL. That's that's absolute. Yeah. But a right abridged is no longer a right. Okay, but, you know, for me, I have no problem registering my gun. You know, if, mm. if, if, I'm, if the government wants me to register the gun, I'm okay with that. Is, is the fear that that either becomes a slippery slope and then opens it up to more, mm. or is it a fear that we don't want them to know what we have? I think we don't want the, you don't want to be on the list. I think it's both. I don't like Soviet style lists. Okay. I, and, and I've seen registrations, at least not like 
personally, but I've read about them in history mm -hmm. because that was one of the first things that happened true. in Germany. Um, yeah, wounded knee, true. everyone always, you know, no disrespect to Orlando, but everyone says Orlando was the biggest mass shooting in the United States. Wounded knee was. Wounded knee was the first federally mm -hmm. backed gun grad. They knew that they had them. They had their list and they went to wounded knee to confiscate them. And that's ultimately what happened. Um, it lists um, like this and in terms of gun registration, I'm not for that. Um, we have millions of law-abiding gun owners in the United States, right. and fewer than 1% of them are even involved in crime. It's those repeat offenders, the prohibited possessors, and ultimately how to solve mm -hmm. that is, you know, I, I, we could have a big discussion on criminal justice reform, which is another topic but yet related to this because that's what's driving this. You would fall mm -hmm. over if you realized how watered down the deterrents are for prosecutions on federal gun crimes. I read about a judge in Louisiana who really? two football players in Alabama Two adult men were caught in caught in a park at 2 a.m. with drugs and stolen guns, and they because they played football for Bama. This judge did not choose; he chose not to not to go forward on federal gun charges. That was just last week, and there are so many of those cases. That, I didn't think that a judge had that kind I of discretion under these federal. I didn't think that he had federal, that either. Okay. I mean, he needs, it, but they will argue that they do have some uh, discretion. I mean, and I get that I mean, there it's is some discretion. Get on appeal. That's just setting but them up to, not, to wind up in court again. Exactly, though, but to but to have a DA that doesn't yeah. go after and and prosecute, and not even right. that. Joe Biden has said before. He's like, look, we don't even have we don't have the time to prosecute everybody who, who fraudulently fills out a forty four seventy three. Hmm. I mean, so we have we're not. That's a criminal justice problem, but you know, to to the to the topic of you know of gun violence and you know gun homicides, we're safer now than we have ever been, but nobody knows it yeah. because nobody in the media wants to focus on it. They want to oversaturate everything by focusing on the tragedy. Yeah. Um, what about assault rifles? Because mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I'm from Texas. You live in Texas. Mm -hmm. I'm from Texas originally. My dad, who's from Texas, I don't even know how many guns he has, but he can still talk about in high school, they had a gun range on the roof. And yeah. they have, you know, just like we have football teams, they had a gun team. Yeah, they had and they a would sit up there team. with rifles. Yeah. And he, his thing is, you know, he, he is a gun owner. He likes to shoot. He's not a big hunter, but... He said the other day when the shootings happened in Orlando, he said, you know, I like guns and I like to shoot, but I don't really understand why anyone needs an assault rifle. Mm. And this is my dad who is as conservative as it gets. Right. Should assault rifles be banned? Or well, what, they are what do we virtually. Need assault okay. rifles virtually are. Assault okay. rifle by talks about military-grade weapons, mm -hmm. which means that it either ha it has select fire capability, meaning that it can either do semi-automatic one squeeze of the trigger, one bullet, or it can do three-shot burst, one squeeze of the bullet, and you have three shots. Or you can just, you know, it's either pew, 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 or pew, 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 pew. <laughs> so that's... That's that's technically that is the correct the assault weapon correctly defines what the military has. AR-15, okay. the M-16 is what the military carries. Right. Uh, AR-15 is the civilian. M-16 was designed after the AR-15 uh, because the military is like, hey, we like that. But now they're switching over to M-4s. But um, I mean, that's we. I mean, we have we have rifles. We have rifles right. with the wood. You know, with the wood stock. We have uh, nobody gets right. mad about those. Yeah. But they're no different from. You know, uh, the black rifles that have a rail and a scope and, uh, you know, and they have uh, the adjustable, uh, you know, th yeah. they have the grip and everything else. Uh, they're not any different except yeah. they don't have that stuff on there that people don't know what it is and they think it makes it shootier. <laughs> well, let's talk immigration. Um, geographically, the vast majority of 
flyover nation. They're not in border states. Mm. So why do you think has immigration become the central issue of the GOP primary over the past year? Well, and what's weird voters. about that is because in the primary, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because it's, this is, I, this was so weird. It was like the top topic in the primaries, right? But then when I was looking at, um, because I did election night coverage with Fox, and when we looked at the sweeps that came in doing exit polling, it was maybe number five on the list of concerns for voters, which kind of blew my mind. Isn't yeah. that crazy? So like New Hampshire, it was like number four. Uh, Iowa. With, with the exception of Iowa, Iowa, it was number two. That was the only state where it played out like in the top three. It really fell behind the economy. It fell behind terrorism. But immigration is, is important because one of the things I, I like to point out is that 9-11 began as an immigration issue. You had people mm -hmm. here who were on expired visas. And in fact, uh, the, the terrorists who flew out of Boston, they had been stopped in Florida just like a month prior. And had we not had all the bureaucracy that we have and we actually enforced our laws, they would have been apprehended because they were here on, expi on expired licenses, expired visas, and they were allowed to go. Um, but none of our agencies talked to each other. The Patriot Act didn't help that. Uh, that didn't really do anything except create, you know, another Soviet-style list. But um, with that, people are concerned because you you can't say that you're going to get serious about terrorism. You can't say that you're going to get serious about reducing crime when you're not allowing people to go in through the border. Just last night, I was in McAllen, Texas, which is 10 miles away from the border. And that's also the top entry point for illegal immigration. And you have, I was talking to one of the, the heads of the Border Patrol Union. I just had dinner with him last night. And he was saying that the, the problem with this is, is that drug cartels are seizing on this opportunity. You have an, an administration yeah. who is saying, you know what, we're gonna do catch and release. Like, I, I think it was like six out of 10 is catch and release. Yeah. Six out of 10 is catch and release. When we flew from McAllen to DFW before we caught our plane here to come to Politicon and then talk to you guys, 30% of our flight were relocations. They huh. were illegal immigrants who were really? accompanied by Border Patrol agents. They had the things around their neck and they were all On your flight kids. to California. On our flight. On our flight. <laughs> they were all kids. What airline is this? So American I know Airlines. To avoid this. Okay. American <laughs> Airlines. They and Jeez. it and at first when I approached it because you know you've seen you've seen kids before who fly alone and they have help from TSA yeah. or the airline and they just wear the little you know like a little badge and yeah. it has no these guys these these kids had big eight by ten and it had the legalese and it had mm. another like uh, law enforcement stamp on it and then they had the border patrol that escorted them they had border agents that escorted them to the jet bridge and they were there when they walked off the jet bridge. And people who live on the border, including many American Hispanics, they're like, no, 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 no. This is ridiculous because we came in here the right way. We are trying to, McAllen, I mean, you have so many Hispanic business owners. I mean, it was a group of Hispanic conservatives that put on my book signing event. You know, they own a gun range. Um, we went and ate at another Hispanic conservative's amazing restaurant, which had the best, like, I don't know what that shrimp was, but it was so good. <laughs> this is beside the point. But they're infuriated because they see everything that they have created. It's now becoming destabilized by an increase in crime brought on by illegal immigration and mm. drug cartels which are taking advantage of it and our administration refuses to allow border patrol agents or even state law state lawmakers to enforce the laws that they have or they'll sue them like mm -hmm. they did with arizona well you know in the 2016 election it seems that immigration and trade seem to come up in the same breath um, particularly with trump you talk about blue collar workers and the mm. rust belt in your book realistically those manufacturing jobs that they're counting on aren't coming back to America. I mean, no, no matter, even if, Donald Trump, now. Well, even if Trump gets elected, 
no matter who's in the White House, despite what he wants to tell people, we're not going to be able to undercut Vietnam or Korea. Mm, right. What do you say? I mean, are we doing them a disservice by perpetuating this fantasy that those jobs might come back? I, well, you can't just change in who's in the White House. That is disingenuous to say, oh, we're just going to change out the leader and then it's all going to be okay. No, no, it's not. There's a heck of a lot more that goes into it. I right. mean, for what is it? What was the story? Um, talking about bringing iPhone manu or Apple manufacturing back here to the United States while you're ultimately competing against robots in Japan and they're going to win. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's, and like you said, you're never going to be able to undercut countries like Vietnam that don't, they have no union representation. They don't even yeah. have environmental standards over there. Yeah. They're always going to beat you. They will always yeah. beat you in that. But the thing that we have to do here, because we've made a hostile environment, I mean, we, we penalize mm -hmm. businesses for staying in the United States and we penalize them for leaving. We have to make, and this is what I can't believe any a politician hasn't even said this like this is the most Trump-esque thing to say I'm gonna make the business climate so great in America yeah. that you're gonna want to do all your business here and every other country's gonna want to do all their business here they're all gonna want to <laughs> manufacture in the United States that's how you do that instead of saying you, you can't say that you're you want to prevent a business from leaving you have yeah. to make it so good that they're like I never want to leave you America I love right. you it won't solve everything, but it'll be a right step. It'll be a heck okay. of a lot better than it is now. There's not going to be but, like one or even two okay. or three singular actions that you can take in even right. 10 years. This has been a problem that's been like generationally in the making. Yeah. You're not going to solve it in honestly and in, in realistically in one president's term. But do we need to have honest conversations with blue collar workers about this? Because, yeah. you know, robots are coming and pretty soon, you yeah, know, we'll have our own them, robots here in America. They're themselves out and, of yeah, competition. Price, yeah. And that's a, that's a big thing. My, my home state is Missouri which is a union state mm. and I have watched I mean I've I've seen my family members jobs affected by this because mm -hmm. they will lose jobs shops will go just literally across the river and they'll set up and where you have you know worker choice they'll set up and they'll do business cheaply and they handle their their employees differently and in fact their wages are higher but that's a whole other story but um we're we're hem Missouri's hemorrhaging jobs because yeah. there is a huge like for instance in St. Louis in St. Louis City, downtown in the convention center, if you wanted to, if you guys wanted to go down to the convention center and set up your radio program, you bring with you your gear, you bring with you your computer, you have to plug stuff in on that, right? You need electricity to make it work. You can't plug anything in until the electrical electrical union gives you the okay and sends one of their people down to plug it in for you. And then they're going to charge you, you know, an arm and a leg for it. That's yeah. killing jobs yeah. in St. Louis. This is why St. Louis has one gentrified street and is becoming, you know, a glorified ghost town because it's killing it's killing jobs. And yet you have these union bosses who are getting so rich off this and they're telling these blue collar workers, you know what, the politicians just aren't listening to you. They're just fighting against your wage. No, it's the union bosses that are fighting against these guys' fair wages. These are the guys who are taking percentages out of these hardworking people's paychecks and they're giving it to political parties who then in turn sell them down the river when they won't approve things like Keystone or they won't allow and compete for actual jobs and create a better business climate here that attracts manufacturing. And it enrages me because I have seen my own stepdad lose a job because manufacturing has gone out of the state. I have seen, I have seen the city that I love and that I lived in and that I wanted to live in my entire life basically turn into a ghost land. Wow. Um, in the book, you pose a question. You say, how can you call it equality if you have to degrade yourself in the process? What do you mean by that? <sighs> this can account for like so many things, uh, particularly. And I think that this was if I'm trying to rem if I'm remembering this correctly, this was the feminist. This is a feminist battle. This is the chapter where I was getting into 
This is the chapter I didn't get to, which is why I'm asking you that question. Oh, okay. <laughs> this was, I'm trying to remember, because I remember I've said that before on the feminism issue. This is when you, oh, no, 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 this is a, 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 a wage issue, the uh, fake disparity between men and women's wages, and then also women saying that they wanted to have like equal access to birth control pills, and they wanted to make sure that they have uh, access to health care. And mm-hmm. yet when you see like some of the, um, I don't know if you followed everything that happened in Texas when they were talking about Planned Parenthood yeah. and birth control pills yeah. and flinging used feminine hygiene products mm-hmm. at people. Yeah, that's I. You're acting in an unequal manner, yeah. so you will be treated unequally when you act yeah. in an unequal manner. But um, I think that this buzzword equality it is a buzzword because we have equality. But people like to think that everybody should be, should be able to make different choices and get the same outcome mm-hmm. because that's true equality. No, some people will choose not to work as hard as other people. Some women may not want to go for that executive position that requires later hours and a lot more travel. And there have been studies done on that which debunk that so-called pay uh, pay gap. And, and that's fine if they have those choices. I mean, w- women fought to be able to have choices like that. They, they protested in the streets. They, they yeah. fought against um, stereotypes. And, but then they turn around and judge other women if yeah. they make choices that are different than that. <laughs> so that's not real equality. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your coming on the yeah. show. I enjoyed the book, Flyover Nation. You can't run a country you've never been to. Before we wrap up, if you were to be the voice of flyover country, what would you say to the people on the coasts? What would be one or two things that you want them to know about flyover country? That we're good people and we come up with solutions. We see something that happens in our community and we want to fix it. We don't want to pass the blame and we don't want to play identity politics. We just want to fix a damn problem so we can go back to barbecuing and going back to, you know, range time and going hunting and spending time with our family. That's what we want to do. We want to have more time to enjoy life. So we come up with solutions and we implement them and we try to fix it. And I wish that more people would come to Flyover Nation and visit it and see that in action. Because we like to take we like to take West Coast people and New Yorkers who've never been to a range. We love taking them to ranges and 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 baptizing. <laughs> them and some and some beautiful brass well who can argue with I that <laughs> fly over nation you can't run a country you've never been to dana lash thanks so Thank much for joining so much. me it's fun thank you <laughs> thanks again to dana lash for coming on the show and if you enjoyed today's episode i'd encourage you to read her new book fly over nation you can't run a country you've never been to I'll include an Amazon link where you can order it in the show notes for this episode and on our website at kickasspolitics.com. Or if you'd prefer to listen to the audio version, you can download that for free through that special trial offer just for our listeners at audibletrial.com backslash kickasspolitics. You can follow Dana Lash on Twitter at at DLash. Now, Lash is actually spelled L-O-E-S-C-H. And you can find out more about Dana, including stations and showtimes for her syndicated radio show, The Dana Show, on her website at danalashradio.com. You can also watch her daily television show, Dana, every weekday with a subscription to TheBlaze.com. Please subscribe to Kick-Ass Politics on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. And you can also help us reach our fundraising goal for the year and get rewarded by donating to our Patreon campaign at patreon.com backslash kickasspolitics. Follow us on Twitter at at KAPolitics 
or visit Kick-Ass Politics on Facebook. And while you're there, recommend Kick-Ass Politics to your friends on your social media. And as always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickasspolitics.com. But for now, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass Politics. Kick-Ass Politics is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.